Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi everyone and welcome to Racing Lives. My name is Aurélie, Aurélie Donzelot, and in this podcast I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today is a racer through and through. She has driven carts, single-seaters, GT, LMP cars across the entire world and has been the first woman in so many instances that I've actually lost count. Born in Colombia, karting since nine years old, her path has taken her to British F3, European F3, Macau, World Series 3.5, GP3, Formula E, Formula 2, Le Mans. If it's on a track and has four wheels, I'm pretty sure she's driven it. Her reputation as a fierce competitor precedes her, though our common friends are united in saying that she is one of the nicest people you could ever meet. I'm delighted to chat to her today from the comfort of my home, whilst my guest is not on the actual other side of the world in Japan. My guest today is the amazing Tatiana Calderon. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for that introduction. <laughs> it's, it's really a pleasure to, to be sharing with you today well thank you you've done so much I couldn't believe the experience the breadth of experience that you already have even though I mean since you were nine years old so you've actually been racing for a long time but I was still amazed at how much you've covered but before I get ahead of myself let me actually ask the question because then that kicks off the podcast that I have to ask which is Tatiana when and where did your racing life actually begin Oh, it, it's, uh, I can't believe it was when I was nine years old. And um, I feel still pretty young, but I'm 28 now. So um, time definitely flies. But I think it was, it came by chance, I would say, because uh, my sister, Paula, who she's like managing me and we travel the world together. She took me to a rental book, a track near a house in, in Colombia. And we bought a five minute ticket. And I literally fall in love with speed, with the adrenaline. So we were going there every day after school. And I think it was by the time Juan Pablo Montoya was reaching Formula One that there was a huge boom of, of karting and motorsport in Colombia. And I come from that. So like I started to watch his races and 
I wanted to start competing. So we convinced our parents uh, to buy us a go-kart. Nobody in my family has ever raced. And um, we were the two, the two girls because I actually have a younger brother who said, I don't really like motorsports. That's a girl's sport. So um, it was the two of us against the world. And that's, that's how our story in motorsports started. That's amazing. And aside from deciding that you liked the idea of speed and you enjoyed it, were you aware of motorsport at the time? What's your earliest memory? Is it watching Formula One at home? Is it something else? I grew up like my, my dad and my parents were involved with a Kia dealership in Colombia. So um, like the the fuel and the, the cars were always something that we were passionate about because my dad loves it. He never raced, but he would have loved to. Uh, but I think my first, like the first time I really watched a race was was because of Montoya. Um, I'm a huge fan uh, of him. He's my idol. And I can't believe I actually competed against him uh, last year for the first time in, in Le Mans. So time flies and it's it's amazing to to look back at it. Is he somebody that you've gotten to know? I mean, you're, you're not competitors on track, but as you say, he inspired you to go racing. Have you met him? Are you are you friends with him? What what is it like? Because I find that fascinating. To, you know, to for someone to inspire you to do something, and then you get to be an equal to him. I met him like officially in in Bahrain when he was gonna test the LMP1, the Porsche, and um, he just came to to say hello to me. I was like, wow, this am I dreaming? Um, Actually, it was a funny story because I forgot one boot in my hotel and um, and I like had to ask him to drive me to the hotel, pick up the boot, come back for free practice. And uh, since then, we exchanged numbers. Uh, he's been super helpful. He gave me tips before in, in Le Mans. Um, I write him for his birthday or for whatever, something funny. And and he's always open. So it's it's incredible to have you know, the advice from somebody that has won in everything. And he's so simple, so humbled, um, a really nice guy. That's a pleasure to hear. That's how heroes should be. If someone's going to inspire you to go do something and then you get to meet them, I'm so happy that he turned out to be the person that you'd want him to be. That's very nice. And he comes across that way, I have to say. He seems like a very nice guy. But enough about Juan Pablo. <laughs> I want to talk about you. Do you feel like you chose motorsport or do you think motorsport came to find you? I think I chose uh, motorsports and um, I've always been passionate about sport, but there was something about motorsport. The first time I, I drove the go-kart, it was something special. Like I knew I, I wanted to, to choose that because I was like playing soccer, tennis, anything literally uh but it was different with with motorsport this feeling of you driving the the car and you're in control and this sensitivity that you have to to have and i think that's why we we can do a really uh, great job as as racing drivers female racing drivers um that just really cultivated me it's pretty amazing, actually. You were really into tennis as well. You still really love tennis. So was there a point where you had to, you literally had to make a choice? You were good at both? Or has tennis always stayed a hobby that you enjoyed on the side? I did have to choose. And I really, like, sometimes you, you think back, no? When I've 
done some really good races or when I drove a Formula One car, I was like, thanks God I chose uh, motorsport. Uh, but some of the down down days uh, uh, that we have quite a lot, you think like, I, I, I want to have another parallel life and see how far I could have come in, in tennis. But it's it's something I, I still watch. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Roger Federer. And um, yeah, I, I, I live tennis um, very passionate uh, a lot. But yeah, I, it always has been motorsport for me. Um, I wouldn't imagine my life without it. Can you tell me a little bit about your life in motorsport, actually? Because you and I are speaking right now. You're in Japan. I can see your sister in the background. The two of you literally are taking on the world together. <laughs> I have a little sister, so I, I relate and I uh, I have a very good relationship with her, too. So it's make, it makes me very happy, actually, to know that you're both together and taking this world on. But what is it like day to day? You know, having to travel far away from home, having to be competitive, having to wrestle with different cars and, you know, being competitive. What is it like being a racing driver? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm very lucky to to have her um, because, you know, we share this same passion. We started competing um, with each other. And I think she, she makes my life so much easier because, you know, it, it can get very lonely when when you're uh, traveling the world, when you have no time to uh, to connect with uh, friends, with with family sometimes and you're surrounded by mostly boys. I'm, I'm really happy that uh, there are more and more girls joining us, but it, it, it can be really, really tough, um, especially when, when you have to deliver all the pressure. And there are some nice people in motorsport, but there's also some sharks. So um, I'm really lucky to to be able to, to share it with her. Um, there's a lot of, of preparation uh, that goes behind the scenes that people don't don't realize because they all they see is you driving um, an onboard camera but the the amount of work that is behind the scenes uh, on the simulator with the team the physical the mental side is is super demanding these cars are so quick and um, you have to be on it every time so uh, yeah I have my best friend with me one thing I always love to ask, especially um, in the context of this, this podcast, because we're explaining what it's like from the inside, is what is the biggest misconception about your job? What do people assume and they shouldn't? Yeah, I think people like every time they, they write you like, oh, that's so cool. You're traveling the world. Uh, you're visiting every every country. Uh, you get to stay in amazing hotels and and then you you really realize that you know you go from the track like you know a long day at the at the track from seven to ten eleven twelve in the night uh, you go back to the hotel uh, we we don't always like when you're racing F three F two uh, you stay like an hour away from from the track because Formula One takes all the good spots and everything is twice as three times the price. <laughs> um, so it's you don't see anything. You see the airport and, and the hotel uh, or the bed, uh, literally. And um, and there's a lot of, like, like I was saying, behind the scenes, like the physical training, the frustration sometimes that it's, it's really big and that makes you not enjoy sometimes as much as you should. But I think that's, that's probably the most difficult part now that people realize that you're there 
just to to perform and 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 not just really just to, to chill out and, and enjoy a night in the city I mean, one thing I can relate to is the long hours. I know I know how many hours you spend in engineering meetings as well and then time with the mechanics and learning your car and learning the whole team so that you can extract every bit of performance from yourself and from the team. The bit that I can't relate with, which I'd love to know a bit more about, is how much physical and mental training you need to do, you know, and how many hours that actually takes up of your, of your week or of your day or of your month. I train half an hour every day when I can, which is definitely not the same level, but then I don't have to drive a, a racing car. So what is it like for you? Over the years, I, I have dedicated so much time and effort in, in the physical and mental side, because I think as, as females, we, we need different things. We need a different training uh, because our bodies are different. Like for instance, we, we have a period, we have to control um, that, you know, it changes your energy levels, how you're feeling um, emotionally as well. We think differently. So also like um, as as I have analyzed, let's say as, as girls maybe, because also I had a chance to to share the car with, with other female drivers. We, we tend to be really good at like slow speed corners, let's say, uh, where you have to have this feeling, this patience, uh, to understand the, the grip of the car and the tires. And then maybe on the high speed corners, well, the boys, they don't think that much. So just if, if you tell them go flat out first lap, they, they will go out and do it. And maybe for us, it'll be the second lap. And I had to, to understand like all the strengths and the weaknesses that we have against them, because at the end, I haven't competed against that many females uh, in all the um, the series that I have uh, come across. So I, you need to know how to how to defend yourself and and how to be more efficient. Like in F3, in F2, you don't have power steering. You do have it in Formula One, but not to drive a Formula Two car is really really tough on the steering wheel. So I had to find every bit of strength that I could. Um, I had to take a lot of uh, time to analyze how well I was sitting, like the seat position. I was obsessed with centimeters of how much I, I needed to, to really be able to steer that car. Um, same with the pedals and, and stuff like this. So um, I dedicate a lot of time to, to training, uh, then mentally for multitasking, like, you know, in Formula One with all the steering buttons that you have to move during the lap you have to memorize so many things while you go 300 kilometers an hour and on top of that if somebody is talking to you on the radio it can be <laughs> i think that's why we we should uh, be able to drive a formula one better than, than the boys we, we are good at multitasking uh, but i i really analyze a lot of that and uh, i'm very passionate about the the physical side the differences and, and the mental side, because it has really brought me to, to a different level um, and to be able to show that we can compete in equal terms when we are giving the right tools. Very well put. I do like the fact that you say oh, it's slightly easier for Formula One because it has power steering. But I think the fact that it has power steering is the only thing that's easier when you get to Formula One. Everything else is more complicated. <laughs> I I have to agree. I think as, as females, like... It would it would make our life easier if we had 
power steering uh, because then it's like not like I had to change my shirt uh, sizes many times when I went from GP3 to F2 and then and then I can come back now I I can use the uh, the shirts that I was using before. <laughs> And by the way, that's purely to do with muscle and the size of your neck. It's nothing else. I hope so. so. How do you define success for yourself? Because I feel like it's not as straightforward as I'm going to commit to an entire series and be able to compete with the right tools and I'm going to win the championship. I actually think it's a lot more complicated than that and that you have to be able to define success for yourself so that you can actually enjoy your job. Absolutely. I think that's something I I learned a few years back. It took me a while, but finally I understood it. And in motorsport, it's not like any other sport where you uh, like tennis or, um, yeah, football, um, anything that it depends mostly on, on you. Here we have a car. We have an engineering group, even if we are alone driving the car. Sometimes if you don't have a good car, you you cannot win no matter how good you are. So I always try to to really extract the maximum of myself when I when I know I've done the best I could with the tools that I have been given. Um, that's when, what brings me uh, joy. And that's why I enjoy doing if that's P10 or P13 or P2 then that's great but i will feel good with myself and don't really look at that much at the at the scoreboard but more on on my own performance and when i started to to really focus on myself and not just to look at what your teammates doing and why he's doing this and and the setup of somebody else once you start to focus on on yourself and on improving yourself and your skills then everything becomes much easier you're much happier and the results start to show. So yeah, focus on the process uh, because that at the end will bring uh, the joy and the result that you're uh, chasing. Do you ever have time to celebrate success or do you have to move on to the next race too quickly or run for your flight home? <laughs> I sometimes I'm like, you know, when you're rushing back, um, it's like you want to be home, but you then thought, ah, I, I wanted to stay and celebrate a little bit and just enjoy the moment. We I think sometimes we rush too much. We move on too too quickly and, and we forget to to enjoy the present because we are looking at the future. Um, but if I had learned something from this pandemic is that I like to to live the now and and to try and enjoy it. And now I'm I, I'm taking more time also because traveling nowadays is very difficult. So you don't probably don't get the the straight flight back home on on a Sunday evening, uh, but I think that's that's all part of what I'm trying to change as well. Since I moved from F2, I'm trying to to enjoy my journey more, and and enjoy a bit more my my job and not just focus on the next race. When is the moment you realized that motorsport was not glamorous at all? <laughs> oh, it's been. So many um, funny stories, but I think, like, I remember um, the first time I drove the Formula One car in Mexico. Uh, so, yeah, somebody picked me up on a huge um, car to bring me to the to the track, 
uh, with my helmets, everything. And then, you know, we finished the day and I was like, okay, everybody was, was out, they, they were gone. And it was just me and my family. So I had a ton of interviews to do after that. And uh, so we, we were the last ones and we realized we didn't have a car. So we just took my helmet, my suit, and we ordered an Uber <laughs> and just went back to to eat uh, the hotel. And um, that was yeah, pretty, pretty glamorous way to end your first F1 test. Uh, riding an Uber in, in Mexico City. But I think it's uh, just a little example of, you know, it looks amazing on TV and the glamours, but we are all about about competition. If we can spend more uh, more money on the cars and having another set of new tires, I would rather have that than, than spend a night in a five-star hotel. I guess that's the same for, for everyone working in, in Formula One. Definitely. We take the sacrifices if it means we're going to we're going to move up. Absolutely. You mentioned your family. How do you balance work life? You know, how do you make sure that you have time off and rest? But also, how do you make sure you can catch up with your friends and your family? I have to say I'm really bad at that because I love racing so much. Like um, I'm always thinking about racing, but that is not healthy. Um, and I, I came to, to realize that. So um, my family has always been supporting me and like we take all the decisions together. I, I don't have like an external manager. It's just my sister who takes care of everything. But we all discuss that with, with my family. We chat like three times a day by FaceTime, um, also before the pandemic. But um, I, I rely a lot on, on them and I think my way of escaping is doing sport outside. Um, I love a good bike ride or going for a run uh, close to the beach would be very nice. Um, but just to clear my head and, and try to disconnect. And of course, Netflix now. It's um, oh. I get addicted with so many series <laughs> that really you don't have to think about anything. And I think that's, that's how I try to take my mind out of, of the obsession that is for me raising. Uh, do you have a moment that you're especially proud of so far in your career? Yes. I mean, again, it's like you want more, no? But I think driving a Formula One car for the first time, it was quite special because, you know, I I, I was dreaming with that for that moment since I was nine years old. And um, just in, in 2018, uh, when it happened, it was... Uh, uh, surreal you you I, I was feeling like I was in in that dream and and you remember when you were nine so I'm particularly proud of of that moment because of all the sacrifices all the hard work that went to to, to be on that moment and to share it with with my family it was the closest um, track of Formula One track that that we have in in Colombia so it was uh, pretty special, I have to say, and, and it really motivated me even more to to keep chasing that dream of, of becoming, hopefully, the next female driver to to make it to the grid. What a debut in a Formula One car as well. That circuit's amazing. And to be able to have your family there and then to follow it with 
a testing program in Formula One cars. It literally was the moment where you kicked off the time that you've spent in Formula One cars since. It, I hope it was as special as it looked. It looked like a really good day. It was it was incredible. I uh, I still have some videos, and you just look over and over and over again, and such a special special feeling. There's nothing like a Formula One car, honestly. The, the grip, the acceleration. It was worth all the all the tears and all the all the hard work. Still some hard work to 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 be done to to get them to the next step. But um I definitely it changed me like as a driver and, and as a person when, when you realize an objective and a dream and then you can move on to the next one. It's um it's quite amazing. It takes a lot of character, actually, to achieve a specific dream and then to work out what you want to do afterwards. I, I had that issue. My dream was to work for a team in Formula One. I spent a long time getting there. It took me 10 years, actually, until the moment where I was employed by full time by a Formula One team. And I considered that dream realized. And actually, now I've had to work out what's my next dream. And it takes a while. You beat me, so it took you <laughs> ten years. It took me ages. I'm I'm older than you. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Not that much, but yeah, I I agree with you. It's when you realize that dream, and there's like, okay, there's no other. That that's the quickest car you are gonna get. What's next? It's like, okay, uh, well, I I want to race it, but it's pretty cool what I've just done but um yeah it, it took me as well a little while to to understand okay what are my chances uh to really get a race seat I still believe there is you know with everything that we are living uh, right now it's you just have to get day by day and and try to to be better every day and nothing is impossible so uh yeah it it's it's about having those goals and dreams that that really keep you alive isn't it definitely and just i'm i'm no specialist but just between you and i i think the program that you're doing this year is um putting you in a very good place to not be forgotten at all but that's just my opinion <laughs> thank you that means a lot to me uh because sometimes i fear that you know i'm i'm here in japan and you know, we're quite, we're very far away. You know, the, the schedule isn't the best for, for Europe and you fear to, to be forgotten, yet these cars are amazing. And I think in people don't, don't realize how quick these cars are because until you're not there, you, you can't feel it. You can't see how, how competitive this series is. Uh, but it's, it's nice that people still. <laughs> take me in consideration and still keep track of what I'm doing. Um, I'm, I'm trying to prepare as much as I can to when the opportunity comes, well, um, I'm there ready to, to take it. Definitely. In the interest of fairness, I always prefer to ask, I've asked you about your successes. And so is there a lower point that you've experienced that you're happy to talk about? And also how did you come back from it? Yes. Um, you know, there was a time where I couldn't speak about it, but it was obviously 2019 when we lost Antoine. And I know he was very close to, to you as well, the, to your team. And um, it was a really, really difficult time. Uh, I think probably yeah, the worst in, in not only my career, but as a human being. Um, I never thought that motorsport could be so cruel that... 
you know, I, I respect what I do much more since then. I respect my competitors much more. And, and it really made me think uh, like, okay, what, what is it that I, I want to achieve with, with motorsport? Because, you know, I had already driven a Formula One car, which was a dream. And then I wanted more, but I was like in F2, I feel like I, I didn't enjoy that season at all because I was putting too much pressure on myself. I wanted to to deliver to show that I could could be competitive um, just in, in that series. And, and I stopped enjoying and I think it took sadly that huge accident on many other things to realize that we're so lucky to, to be doing what we love. Um, I'm so lucky to have my family support me uh, that um, it was yeah one of those things that I, I had to think uh, a lot. And I think the, the pandemic really helped me because we had three months without driving and trying to to process everything that happened that year was, was really tough. Uh, but I learned a lot from Antoine and from that situation. And I think that has made me a much better human being, a much better racing driver and, and to, to respect what we do much more. I wouldn't dream of speaking for him, but I think he'd be pretty happy knowing that. I think of him like, honestly, like every time I'm on a racetrack, something comes up that that reminds me of him. And I feel like really he he teached me how to to enjoy racing again or he teach me again or why i'm here uh, and what i'm doing what i love most and it's um i i carry him on my helmet every time and you know every time you you put it on he's there so uh, i'm pretty sure he's he's proud of many people out up there and and really teaching us um how to live our lives in in a better way how do you keep learning and growing? You've mentioned having to move from series to series. You've mentioned defining success for yourself. I feel like with every new experience, you're actually very good at taking something forward with you. How do you approach that? Yeah, I think I'm, I've been incredibly lucky to, to really have driven so many cars across so many countries um, and really had all that experience also. I think on a second note, like it's not good that I've changed too many times from uh, teams, but I, I got to work with English, with French, with Italians, now Japanese. So there's uh, a mix of things that I have learned so much from um, and being sort of in my own world because I feel like my car doesn't particularly fit any any other driver um I'm, I'm quite quite special in in the way i drive and the the way i like things uh but i i definitely think i've been very lucky to to have all that experience because it has helped me also get more self-confidence and i think it's very very important in in motorsport and particularly as yeah girls we tend to have less self-confidence we like tend to doubt ourselves a little bit more than what we should because we are never too ready to take on a challenge or to say yes. So um, I I try to push myself to be more uncomfortable sometimes because I think that's that's a great thing because we we are prepared. Uh, we're just a little bit afraid of of the first steps. We we need to take a 
um, uh, a step into the unknown. And, and I love putting myself in, in that position and try to learn new things. And, and that's the way I think, you know, we never stop uh, learning. Every time I'm on track, I feel I'm a, a better driver and I try to push myself even further. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at that because I'm also very hard on myself uh, because yeah. I know I know I can do I can do things if they can we can so uh, I'm sometimes a bit too hard on myself but that is also a positive because I, I come back and and I train harder and and I try harder a friend of mine once explained the expression being out of your comfort zone as moving from a place of knowing to a place of learning and that's always stayed with me and it helps me go beyond the fear because, it's like, oh, no, this is good. I'm learning. This is why I feel uncomfortable. I'm going to write that one down. I love that. <laughs> it's so true. It's a good one. I wish I could attribute it, but it's definitely stayed with me. I've really loved it. <laughs> Tell me what you love the most about motorsport. Wow, I love the whole thing, you know, Um there's nothing better than, than race day, you know, that you wake up before the alarm even sounds and you you feel these uh, butterflies in your stomach and uh, and you look out the window and say, oh, today is going to rain. <laughs> We're going to have to change strategies and so like this. I think just being there on a, on a racetrack to interact with so many people, so many inputs from engineers, uh, from mechanics, from from PR, from from everybody. To you, you can learn from so many people. Um, and then, of course, my my happy place is when when you when you're wearing your your helmet, the lights go out, and and you start racing. And it's it's all about the feeling, um, you controlling the car, and everything that goes through through your body. I don't know the way you you turn the wheel, the way you go on throttle. It's such a finesse. It's like playing music, sort of, um, in a way. So I love that about my job. So there's, yeah, that's. I think that's why I'm so passionate and so in love with with what I do. To hear the passion in your voice when you speak about it, and I've never heard it being compared to music. And I think that's such a good way of describing it. It's you're an entire orchestra in that moment. It, it is. It's just, you know, this little details, this little, even the sound of, of the engine, how you uh, change up the gears, you change down, the, the tires screaming, you know, it's, it's harmony, what you need to be doing in the car, uh, because you drive as much with your hands as with your feet. So it's a, it's a combination and a coordination of all of that on top of all the team that you have behind. So I think there's there's no better feeling. And I, I think I have a pretty amazing um, spot of the best seat in the house, I would say. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm really lucky. Okay, and just to be fair, is there one little thing that you don't like about motorsport? Yes. I mean, it's... To win, oh, Jesus, everything has to be perfect. You know, it's like one millimeter. You put a wheel where 
a little bit on the grass and everything is, is over. It's just sometimes it's so frustrating. There's only one winner and you have to do everything right. And yeah, there's there, that, that is something annoys me sometimes that, uh, yeah, you know, not, not everybody has the same car. So you can't really be the winner every, every Sunday. Uh, but I have to say everything bad uh, about motorsport just makes you better. So, yeah, there's not that many bad things about it, I think. And when you do win, I mean, that feeling is because you know what it's taken to be able to do it. It's, oh, it feels good. Oh, there's absolutely no better feeling. And I remember like my karting days and when I won and people saw that I was a girl, actually, it making it even better because they were so sad. I thought like, wow, this feels amazing. Everybody was like not trying to look at your eyes and the boys were just like really down and the parents were like all screaming at them uh, and the moms were like applauding and really cheering you on. That was um, something I missed from the karting days, I think. Oh, yeah, that's really nice. But also because karting events are so much more close-knit. You get, you know, you almost know everyone that's there. So, yeah, it's always really special. I'm moving on to the last part of the podcast, if that's okay. And that's actually one to address uh, why so many people listen to it. I'm very lucky. Um, but it's for advice for anybody that wants to work in motorsport. So from your point of view, if anybody wanted to have the same job as you, what advice would you give them? I think... Um... Of course, like you have to have the, the passion, uh, the desire, and you have to be ready to jump into what we discussed, you know, the, the unknown, um, the there to, to do something different, let's say. Um, but I think there is nothing impossible, nothing that you cannot achieve with, with hard work and determination. And it's certainly like, you know, when I look back and when I was nine years old, I had this dream of becoming a Formula One driver. I never thought that I would actually make it. I just went step by step. And when you focus on, on one step at a time, I think uh, things start to happen. So uh, you have to be patient. And and really, this sport, I would love to see more and more girls join because I think we can do anything that we put our minds into. And and sometimes we uh, we feel there are limitations around us, but... They're just in our minds. So I would uh, suggest that, of course, you need you need the contacts. You need to start probably karting. I think that's the best school. And then move on from there uh, one step at a time. Well, I think you're fulfilling a very important role in that little girls can actually see you racing. And that means they know they can do it too. So I, I thank you for doing that. Thank you, social media as well nowadays that you can connect with with so many more girls and and hope that they can as you just follow your your dreams and your passion definitely yeah and i love that they can tell you they can actually message you and tell you that they see you um, and that it means a lot i it's the best part of social media i think i agree 100 percent. there's so many girls actually that now you know they send you messages and they're five or six and they're watching your race and, and asking you for advice. And 
and that means we're we're changing perceptions and we're making the the sport more accessible for everybody and and that is something that is is quite special so i hope to to see more and more girls not just in my job but in many other jobs in in motorsport like yourself Absolutely. And what about you, Tatiana? Have you received a piece of advice that you've carried with you that's helped you in what you've achieved? I think Montoya um, once told me, like, if they can, you can. So I think that's it's pretty simple, but it was stuck in my head. Like, you are so right. If this guy can make this corner flat, why can't? I do it flat, you know, there, there is no, it's, it's, it's simple. You just try and do it. Uh, if it's, it's achievable. So I think that's, that's something I would actually recommend to other people as well. Like, don't be afraid, uh, just go for it. If, if it's been done, it's, it's possible. I like it. I also like what comes with that advice, which is keep it simple you know he gave you a simple bit of advice and you've kept it it's brilliant don't overthink anything you know just go do it sometimes we just stuck thinking what other people may think or why this could go wrong but we don't if you don't try it you don't know if it's, if it's gonna stick it's so true I can't believe we've gotten to the last question I feel like I've had the best time ever so thank you so much but um my last question to you is, what are you looking forward to? I think this is a really, really good question. And um, I ask myself, uh, you know, what is next for me? And um, at the moment, I'm enjoying uh, doing Super Formula, doing the World Endurance Championship, being linked with the Formula One team still. My goal is to be on that grid and I will do everything in my power to to make it happen but on the meantime or in the meantime like like i think antoine taught us i i will enjoy my journey and and make the most out of of every day tatiana thank you so much for speaking to me today it's been an absolute pleasure it was really nice to finally be be able to talk to you and and really uh, i hope that we can meet in person again very soon really thank you for for everything that you're doing with with the podcast some really inspirational stories that i wasn't aware of and thanks to you i i will i will know and learn from all of them if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe via your favorite podcast platform leave a review if you can tell your friends post about it on social media it all means so much and it really helps new people find our little podcast i read every message and every mention as you know and it means a huge deal you can also get in touch directly if you'd like via my instagram account which is pandea p-a-n-d-e-a and there's now a link in the show notes via which you can support the podcast directly should you wish to it takes an awful lot of coffee to make this show as you can imagine Thank you very much for listening and speak to you next week.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 